The Guardian. Hello, I'm John Plunkett and welcome to Media Talk. On this week's show, we gaze into the Media Talk crystal ball. We really do have one, you know, and ask what we can expect in 2013. Plus, we look at some of the media stories making this week's headlines, including Al Jazeera's purchase of Al Gore's current TV, and we say farewell to Gaydar Radio. We find out who watched what on Christmas Day and what we have to look forward to on the small screen in the new year. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. I'm joined this week by Steve Ackerman, Managing Director of Digital Content Company Something Else. Have I described you right there, Steve? Almost there, there or thereabouts. Right, that'll do. Start the year is mean to carry on. And writer and broadcaster Sam Delaney. Hello. Writer and broadcaster? Yeah, it's fine by me. Got it right. Plus, with us in the studio, and I'm pretty sure this one, is The Guardian's TV and radio editor, Vicky Frost. Hello. Why, are we all back in the swing of things after New Year, or are we just sort of uh, desperately trying to get to the end of the three-day week? What's the, what's the verdict? It's a two-day week for me, and I'm still sort of blinking like really slowly at it, to be honest. Is this your day off? Uh, yesterday was my oh, day thank off. thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steve, Sam, you're looking pretty fit and healthy. Yeah, I'm pleasantly disorientated by the strange, the the odd construction of this week. That suits me fine. I concur with my colleague to the to the right. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> right. Well, we're, uh, well, first up, it's time for Mystic Media Guardian. It's like Mystic Meg, but without the spooky music. Well, I say that, but uh, let's see what producer Matt's got up his sleeve. Hello, I'm Paul Robinson, media consultant, and here are my tips for the radio industry for 2013. Well, first of all, I think Absolute Radio will eventually get bought. Now, who's going to buy it? It's either going to be Global Radio or UTV Radio. I think I'd put money on Global because it makes more sense given their expertise in music programming. But Absolute Radio, formerly Virgin Radio, will cease to be independent and will be part of a group. Also, GMG Radio will finally be integrated into Global Radio. And the big question is, what's going to happen to the brands? Well, I'm forecasting that either Smooth or Gold will disappear. One of those brands will go in 2013. My money is on marginally them keeping gold because I think no one really knows quite what smooth is, but it could be the other way around. Over at the BBC, Tony Hall's the new DG and the big question is going to be whether he's going to instigate genre-based commissioning and the radio division will cease to exist as a radio division. I'm putting my money on saying that's not going to be the case because radio is still a medium which is rather different in the way it communicates with audiences, but he might not keep the division exactly as it is now or find out uh, early in 2013 Uh, Nick Grimshaw will end 2013 with more young listeners than uh, Chris Moyles from whom he inherited and the new controller of Radio 5 Live will finally uh, get um, some changes into that network it's sounding a little bit in need of refreshment Uh, new presenters at Breakfast and Drive on Radio 5 Live during 2013 I forecast I'm Jemima Kish, digital media correspondent for The Media Guardian, and here are my predictions for 2013. I think Facebook's probably peaked. It was a real mistake to cut the reach of organic posts and start asking people to charge for that, so that's something to watch. Twitter, we can expect to smarten itself up for an IPO in 2014, and possibly we'll see more 
attempts to regulate social media and more legal activity may be the first prosecution for contempt. 4G is already here when it comes to mobile. Video's massive, consumers love it, and advertisers love it as well. An interesting thing to watch in this area is video tagging. We are already very used to video tagging um, or photo tagging through Facebook, so this will be something we'll start seeing everywhere. Companies like Kiosk and Wirewax. Lastly, I think long-form content is really one to watch this year. It's something that Andrew Sullivan pointed to when he announced that he was going to take his blog independent and leave the Daily Beast. One of his side projects as part of that will be a tablet magazine that will um, be focused on long-form content. So he'll be keeping things small, moving away from the consolidation of blogs into big media sites and going out on his own, being small and agile and exciting and that is probably the key to survival. Hello, my name is Roy Greenslade, a media commentator and professor of journalism at City University London and these are my thoughts on what we face for press and publishing in the coming year. It's quite clear that the government and the editors are going to fix the whole business of regulation, thus avoiding any possibility of statutory involvement. That's just not going to happen. It was always going to be a fix and they will fix it. Of course, we're going to see national newspapers losing yet more circulation, yet more income. And at the same time, it will happen in regional newspapers too. Meanwhile, uh, I think we'll see yet more and more people uh, gravitating, as has been the case in the past five years, to the net. So journalism will continue, but the bearers of journalism, newspapers and so on, uh, are going to be under pressure. So the big, big problem we face for the future is how to fund our journalism. That essential matter. Uh, is the headache that at the moment no one can really find a cure for. Hi, I'm Mark Sweeney, media business correspondent at The Guardian, and these are my tips on advertising for 2013. I'd say possibly the, the biggest one to watch out for would be mobile advertising. It's expected to have hit 500 million quid in 2012 when the figures come through, and it's going to rocket beyond there. Growth rates were about 132%, 33%, according to a report from the IAB, and that was just in the first six months of last year. We've had a massive Christmas with tablets, smartphones, things are just going to, going to fuel massively from there. You have to only look four years back, and it was struggled to have been 25 million pounds in size for the whole UK mobile advertising market so to go from 25 million to 500 million in four years and have an explosion of everything from kindles to uh, you know samsung's and and all sorts of sales through christmas i haven't seen the figures yet but they're meant to be huge for tablets i think mobile advertising will be the real opportunity hello this is maggie brown and these are my predictions for broadcasting in 2013 well with the bbc i think that lord Patton will remain as chairman But I think Tony Hall, incoming Director General in March, is going to show a degree of ruthlessness we would not expect. I think that ITV is clearly um, having the benefit of a a firm share price, lots of cash in the bank. And I would not be surprised if there was a takeover bid for it uh, sometime at Channel 4. uh, Lots of rumours surrounding Chief Creative Officer Jay Hunt. And I don't know if she'll be in the job in a year's time, but uh, I can only report that there's a lot of rumour going on. With Sky, well, all we can say is that it's still spending a lot of money on programmes which give it a great deal of marketing clout, but perhaps not quite the return in viewing 
figures that they had hoped for. They were down last year. On the other hand, Sky Sports has got Formula One to play with, and I would expect it to put some real oomph into that coverage. Just as, to be fair, Channel 4 is set to do as it becomes the channel for racing with the Grand National and the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Well, my thanks to all our contributors there for their predictions for 2013. Um, let's take them one by one. No, I'm kidding. Uh, let's just uh, let's go around the table here and just uh, ask uh, well, all of our guests here if any particular uh, of those sort of stood out for them. Steve, let's start with you. Well, I think the first key one that stands out for me is what's going to happen at the BBC. And Paul touched on it a little bit, but, um, but actually I think the key thing uh, you've got to see happening there is obviously readdressing the trust issue. And therefore, I think the key thing that Hall's going to deal with when he comes in is looking at the whole management structure. And I, I, I agree with, um, I can't remember who it was who said it, but there's going to be an element of ruthlessness. I think there's going to be a clear out of some fairly significant names and a complete restructuring and that's the thing that'll happen before anything else in terms of whether things become genre-based or not or, or how things get restructured. I think the other thing that I was surprised Mark didn't mention was he talked a lot about mobile advertising but I think one of the key things we're really going to see starting to grow significantly this year is content paid for by brands. We're seeing that very heavily with people like Coke now and I think that's going to increase hugely and the surge in tablets is helping to drive that in itself and I think one of the other byproducts of that is potentially a pressure on advertising for TV as on-demand continues to grow and connected TVs ensure that uh, on-demand viewing uh, happens more and more. I think we're going to start to see a greater pressure on advertising spend on TV with lots of that money or some of that money switching to content and obviously just to, to, to mobile and internet advertising. Yeah, Sam, uh, it seems, as, as Mark pointed out there, the figures haven't come in yet, but it's inevitably going to be a huge Christmas for you know tablets and smartphones and what have you. So the way that we're consuming media has been changing for years now, but it feels like 2013 is going to f- see a real step change in that. Yeah, we'll all be watching it on our tablets, I suppose, over the next year, uh, more than ever before. I'll go through some of these other points, though. First of all, I disagree with Paul Robinson that no one knows what Smooth Radio is about. I think it's a great station. I love it. So I take I take exception to that. It's the perfect station when nothing else is on and you don't know what you want to listen to because the discussions are boring on your talk radio stations and the music's terrible on the others. Tune in to Smooth. You will always hear a track that raises your spirits. It's the Delaney default choice. Yeah. Yes. That aside, yeah, Roy Greenslade talking about editors and politicians in cahoots to fix the whole outcome of Leveson. That's quite an interesting one this week because... All of the papers played it very safe for the last few months while they were waiting for the verdict from Lord Leveson. And this week, Jim Davidson, let me stress, I'm no Jim Davidson fan, the amount of papers that have splashed his face all over the cover because obviously people, uh, there's a lot of people out there who don't, who don't like him. That wouldn't have happened in the last few months while they were all waiting nervously to hear the verdict from Leveson. And he, he's been brought in, he hasn't been charged. And it's exactly the sort of case that Leveson was investigating and discussing and that we're all supposed to be worried about. And the moment it's over and it becomes apparent, as Roy correctly says, that it's just going to be a stitch-up and there'll be no statutory regulation. They go back to doing things like that. Now, no one's going to feel much sympathy for Jim Davidson because he's not a particularly popular figure with a lot of us. However, the principle of, of a guy like that being splashed all over the front pages when he hasn't even been charged yet, you know, is... You think that wouldn't have happened a few months ago? when no, that wouldn't have happened a few months ago and it shouldn't really happen now, should it? What else? Oh, yeah, content paid for by brands. I think you're right about that. That's something we're going to see more. They will become the new patrons of culture to an even greater extent. But interestingly, Roy said, who's going to pay for journalism from now on? 
brands are paying for entertainment increasingly and content, but what if they start paying for journalism as well, which is a strong possibility? We get I co- don't know the answer to that question. I just post it. The Coca-Cola Guardian? Yeah. Well, I look, Absolutely. I look, I look forward to that day. Watch out for your teeth. Uh, <laughs> maybe get a free set with every copy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're going into the far future there. Vicky, what do you think? Maggie said, well, she mooted possible changes at, uh, at Channel 4, and she said ITV might be a takeover at ITV. She didn't sort of hold back there. I don't know about this sort of idea of Jay. I mean, she's not been, Jay Hunt's not been in the job that long. I mean, she's not made some brilliant choices, I think, to begin with, but there's got to be time for her to settle in. And I think the same thing for Sky, actually, in terms of, you know, they're spending a lot of money and not necessar- on content and not necessarily seeing viewers come through. I mean, Sky haven't traditionally created a lot of their own content and it's not going to happen overnight. You've got to start getting a reputation for it and so on. So I think that sort of needs time to bed in to see whether actually that does bring viewers to Sky or not. I mean, you can't just do it and expect overnight to get sort of the figures to go with it. Sam, I think Roy Greenslade touched on one of the lines he said we've got to look to next year is is how to to fund journalism. Uh, and, And 2012 was very much kind of almost... Uh, well, navel gazing may be the wrong phrase, but it's very much about how you regulate journalism and the fallout from the from the, the phone hacking and, and the whole Leveson inquiry dominated the entire year. But I mean, thoughts really do have to turn now, if not immediately, then you know, that sometime. How do we how do we fund this thing? I genuinely believe that basically we will end up with either uh, you know a brand or an amalgam of them funding different organisations directly as opposed to just through advertising. Doesn't it potentially throw up the possibility, I mean, I hate to sound too corporate, but obviously if you've got a shrinking market, then potentially the other thing is consolidation. I mean, I mean, is there room, maybe not this year, but certainly a few years down, down the road, is there room in the marketplace for the Mail and the Express, for the Sun and the Star? You know, could we eventually see some of those titles failing with some super titles carrying on in exactly the same way as we've seen in... In, in, in other media markets. But doesn't the growth of mobile, just sort of pulling together different threads, if you've sort of got the growth of mobile advertising, you've got this new interest in long-form journalism, and, and then you've got journalism as well looking at how to fund itself. I mean, those three things should surely be able to come together in some meaningful way, you hope, at some point. That greater interest in long-form journalism, I don't, you know, that was just something I heard just then from one of your experts, I can't remember who. But I just sort of think it, it's often the case that when, uh, the, with the onward march of technology and uh, everything becoming simpler and more bite-sized and, and, you know, summaries of everything is all that we can kind of absorb and, and engage with nowadays, people often say while that's happening, oh, you know what there's going to be? There's going to be a backlash against this. So when mobile phones became more and more advanced and complicated, people said, you know what will be the big thing next year? Really simple mobile phones that just make phone calls and receive phone calls. That's it. Didn't happen. Just my right. dad. Then music downloads become massive, and everyone goes, You know what's going to happen next year? Vinyl's going to make a big comeback. <laughs> Didn't happen. <laughs> everyone on the cusp of a big technological advance confidently predicts a massive backlash against that technological advance. It never happens. So, what I think is, is that long form <laughs> journalism, this is based on, you know, perhaps there is, perhaps the reason it's been risen is that there is actual statistics to prove that long form journalism is, is immense. I don't know. I have them here. I would suspect that long-form journalism, in terms of popular appeal, massive mainstream audience, will only continue to become less and less popular, and bite-sized, easy-to-consume, blink-and-you'll-miss-it news reporting will become more and more popular. I think, actually, that long-form is surprisingly well-read on mobile. That's kind of the surprise, is that 
it is red on mobile because you would think that's where you'd want something really small. But you're right, that could be in a tiny number of is cases. It, yeah, of course. Is it mainstream? Is it like, you know, how millions of us will consume news? Or is it just surprising that a few people are re- reading? I mean, that's <laughs> it. It won't be a lot of people. It'll just be surprising that a few dozen people have read a long article they saw a link to on Twitter. You know, the fact is, is that as, you know, as a huge global populace, we are not all going to start reading long essays. You know, we are going to do the complete opposite, and rightly so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm taking that on board, and that's all we have time for at Media Talk. (laughs) Well, thanks for all those predictions. No time, unfortunately, for our lottery numbers uh, this week, but uh, maybe next time. Uh, Coming up next, all this week's media news. This week on The Guardian Audio Edition, supported by audible.co.uk. Syrian rebels sidetracked by the scramble for spoils of war. Beijing spends a billion to get China rocking. And Werner Herzog reflects on a life in film. And in our audiobook review, we bring you the debut novel from a writer of comics who converted to Islam in G. Willow Wilson's Aleph the Unseen and a globetrotting journey in Benjamin Gilmore's Paramedico. To download or stream The Guardian Audio Edition for free, go to audible.co.uk slash guardian or find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. The Guardian Audio Edition, a new way to get the whole picture. Time now to look at this week's media news and pan-Arab news network Al Jazeera has bought Current TV, the channel co-founded by Al Gore. The deal will put Al Jazeera in many more US homes, of course, something which it has long sought. Current TV is currently in around 60 million of the 100 US households with cable or satellite TV. But it's not going to be easy because Time Warner Cable, which accounts for around a fifth of the homes which have Current TV, quickly announced it was terminating the carriage deal. Uh, so, Steve, what did you make of this? It's a, it's a big deal for Al Jazeera. Well, it's a big deal in terms of getting them into the homes. I suppose the other element around it is a branding one because, obviously, especially in the States... Al Jazeera is, it's a toxic brand, basically. Uh, very, Perceived as being very anti-US. Yeah, yeah and, and I think actually uh, misunderstood in terms of if you understand the ownership behind Al Jazeera, you, you sort of really, you know, it's, it's linked to something associated with Al-Qaeda, which is completely wrong. Sam, there was a sense in, during the Egyptian crisis that uh, a lot of American uh, viewers wanted to watch uh, Al Jazeera, but, but couldn't. Uh, people described it as a, having a CNN moment. You know, it really gained a bit of credibility there and sort of, um, you know, outdid some of the Western broadcasters. But is this a bit like your long form journalism? This was, uh, you know, this was a few people wanting to watch it, but not really in the mainstream. Yeah, it's, I suppose what, what causes shifts in the media, I suppose, are when, you know, you get huge numbers of people making something into a habit, not when there are kind of small groups doing unusual things that are of interest to I don't know, people like us sitting around a table like this, you know. And I I just very much doubt that, you know, there's going to be a huge sea change in people like mainstream, huge, significant audiences, audiences that are significant enough to interest big advertisers and really shift the way that media is consumed and constructed are going to start saying, you know what, I'm going to start getting my news from Al Jazeera. I've never said that. I don't know if I'm representative. You've put the idea in my head. I might go home and do it tonight. <laughs> But I don't generally, I just lazily switch on the news. I don't kind of seek stuff out in that way. And I think most people are probably as lazy as me and passively consume news. And I think that people who are much more engaged and clever probably seek out more interesting and, you know, unusual forms of news. I mean, you used to work at Al Jazeera, is that right? No, no, I used to work at Current TV. In fact, uh-huh. I made the first ever uh, report, first ever film to go out on Current TV in the UK when it launched here. 
which was introduced was by Al Gore himself. Fantastic. What was it about? It was about British identity and patriotism. And it featured my mother and was introduced by Al Gore. So for that reason, I'll always feel very warm to it. But it always had the sense slightly of kind of Wayne's world meets some kind of mad conspiracy theorist wrapped in tinfoil in a basement. Well, that, <laughs> that was its problem. Not my report. Mine couldn't <laughs> ever aspire to have been that interesting. But that was the problem with current TV. And it was interesting, actually. I read the, um, the story about it in The Guardian, and there's a great quote from Al Gore and his business partner, uh, what's his name, Hyatt, Joel Hyatt. Al Jazeera has the same goals and, like current, believes that facts and truth lead to a better understanding of the world around us. Isn't that poignant and insightful? Oh, no, hang on. It's just the bleeding obvious. <laughs> facts and truth lead to better understanding the world around us. That quote right there may demonstrate why they have struggled to sort of have a strong identity over the last seven years. Current TV, Steve, it was kind of, it was, it, was a, it was ahead of its time in the sense that, you know, it was all about user-generated content and giving a voice to people who, you know, wouldn't otherwise get on air. But it was almost immediately behind the times because then, you know, YouTube came along and, and who needed a, an old-fashioned linear TV channel to do this sort of That's thing? exactly what I was going to say. I, I, I think actually it wasn't ahead of its time at all. It was already behind the curve virtually as soon as it had started and then trying to monetize that as well. Uh, I think was always going to be a big challenge. And I know that, um, I mean, Sky was selling it on behalf of Current and, and I know that, that that was a real struggle. Also this week, it turns out that a digital milestone was reached in 2012. That's right, it's a milestone that you can download from home without going to the shops. No, of course it's not. It's the news that downloads of music, TV, films and video games topped £1 billion in the UK for the first time. But it couldn't stem the decline of the overall UK home entertainment market, which fell 12% to £4.21 billion. That's enough stats. Oh no, no, there's a bit more. It could have been worse though, because physical sales of CDs, DVDs and video games fell through the floor once again, by 17.6%. But they still account for 75% of the overall market. Steve, make some sense of these figures if you would. Well, I think the basic headline is there. You know, growth is on the is on the non-physical side. Decline is on the physical side. Uh, the physical side is still the biggest part of the market, but it is it, it, it's its decline is happening so quickly now that you know you're starting to see those two lines come together. I mean, you've only got to look in any household, and you can see this pattern of behaviour. Um, again, it goes back to tablets and smartphones as well. Look at the amount of apps people are buying, the amount of music they're buying. Services like Shazam mean you can be sitting in a restaurant and suddenly you hear a tune on you know on the restaurant speakers and you can buy the tune. You've, I mean, it's just so easy to do, and all the while for me, it just makes it all the more remarkable how the music industry missed this trick and allowed companies like Apple to come in and steal their cake. It's only a one-way direction of travel now, and it's only going to accelerate as more and more smartphones and tablets start entering the market. Yeah, you talked about streaming services there, and and Sam, I think there was a figure in there that 3.7 billion tracks were streamed in 2012, or 140 per household. But they're the kind of figures that are kind of hard to get your head around, really, in in such a short space of time. Yeah, I guess, but... You know, when I read figures like this, it, it sort of, in a way, I guess it's like a landmark, but it doesn't surprise anyone, does it? I mean, no one feels like, wow, I didn't realise things were going in that direction. It's just another reminder of something we all knew already, which was everything, for obvious reasons, is moving in that direction towards non-physical, away from the physical. Uh, and so it will continue until the high street is just full of Greggs and Starbucks. It does make me think... Well, Greggs is all right. Yeah, oh, no, that's fine by me. <laughs> but I do remember, like, for some of us who grew up sort of in, in the 80s or before that, you know, that was the thing you did, was go and hang around in the high street. You'd go to WH Smith's, you might buy Smash Hits, then you'd go to Our Price and buy a single. 
Then you'd go to Woolies and Nixon Pick and Mix. <laughs> and then you'd end up in McDonald's, right? That was it. And now the high street just isn't that any, isn't that thing anymore. And we're all sat at home being unsociable. Oh, but it's, but it's interesting because as the father of teenage children, they are still hanging out on the high street, but they're hanging out playing games and, and you know, playing apps with each other on the high. In I mean, the they're literally street. hanging out on the benches on the high street, <laughs> but they're just not going into the shops. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, Vicky, I don't know about you, but this sort of thing makes me feel incredibly old because I still buy CDs. No, um, I don't. I thought about buying a book, uh, <laughs> and and I, and I barely watch a TV program on the iPlayer, so I feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm past it, frankly. Uh, I I still buy books, but I don't buy music, physical music anymore. And actually, box sets, I feel like I don't really need to own that. If you know you've got a love film or a Netflix subscription. It makes more. If you watch a lot, it makes much more financial sense. And who really needs a box set? I mean, some things you want to go and rewatch, but lots of things you don't actually, because you know what happens. You've got a certain amount of time in your life. I, I don't need to spend it all rewatching things endlessly. Well, yeah, but one box set I have rewatched, I confess, is Twin Peaks. Both mm-hmm. series, Gold Edition. I even watched the, uh, the director's comment. Anyway, enough about my sad home life. But uh, uh, Vicky, rumours on the internet. Oh, there's a phrase you don't often hear. Uh, <laughs> but these are entirely entirely legal ones that we can mention on air. Uh, Twin Peaks. Is David Lynch going to make a third series? Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, if you trace that story back, it kind of gets stronger with every re-report. And if you go back to the original thing, I think the original report is a question about whether David Lynch has actually seen someone about possibly remaking it. It's whether he's been in a building. That sort of way. You get back to so I wouldn't sort of hold your breath in the hope that that will definitely happen so I should re-watch series one and two again if, if you've got no friends and no, nothing to do John yeah right well that's a wild <laughs> assumption uh, but, but entirely correct uh, now we need some more stats uh, we haven't had enough so it's time to talk uh, Christmas TV ratings uh, who was number one the, anyone EastEnders EastEnders yeah again misery triumphs it was a more than, more than, a, more than a million viewers clear of the uh, the second place show, but this is where it gets complicated because it depends if you include ITV One Plus One. What, what's the consensus? Is it fair to include a, a time-shifted channel against the BBC, d- or should we ignore it? I Absolutely. don't see why not. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it's all people wanting to watch that programme, why on earth wouldn't you include it? Ooh, well, in that case, uh, Downton Abbey uh, took second uh, place ahead of Call the Midwife. Downton Abbey. God, it went on forever, didn't it? It was like a two-hour. Nothing happened to the last two minutes. It was a total waste of everyone's time. But that was <laughs> what. But it was. Merry bit, Christmas. You know, <laughs> but it was on really late. You know, it was on really late. By that point, you've had quite a lot to drink. It's two hours. It's got loads of adverts in it, and literally nothing happens till the last five minutes. And you're just, and you know, something is going to happen in those last five minutes. So you're just sort of sitting there going, "Oh, come on, someone die!" I mean, that's <laughs> effectively what you're doing on Christmas Day. <laughs> Jolly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nice around your place. I'll come there next year. Uh, and, and, and finally this week uh, in this section, it's a farewell to Gaydar Radio. It's a parent company, QSoft Consulting. It's transferring, they say, or more likely giving away the licenses, its digital licenses, to uh, a rival uh, radio station, uh, Manchester-based um, Gaydio. This is a sign that uh, just how difficult it is to, to be a digital-only player right now in radio. Well, it is, because 750,000 listeners is not insignificant. I mean, if you were a TV channel with those numbers, you, you'd be able to make a bit of money. But, you know, for these channels, it's impossible. Planet Rock, in a similar position, they're looking for a buyer. And it, it, it just further cements the idea that DAB is part of the radio landscape, but it's never going to be what the uh, initial evangelists of DAB hoped it would be, which is the complete answer for radio and it's going to it's going to continue to struggle until we get to the point where advertisers start to take it seriously and i don't see that coming anytime soon and is there actually a digital only station that makes money i don't think there is right now there's not one i can think of but so what none of them get enough 
listeners to basically attract advertisers it's in n- any significant way. It's, it's not about the amount of listeners because actually there's there's quite a few that are getting a million plus. Bauer have have some with the hits and some of those stations. But the problem is advertising agencies, the, the, the media buyers, don't seem to attach value to those to those listeners. They'd frankly rather spend their money else elsewhere. And and you know there's 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 obviously some elements about that that, that aren't logical, but that is just... Yeah, what's the difference between somebody who's tuning in on a DAB radio and somebody who's tuning in via the internet? I mean, it makes no, no odds, does it? They're still engaging. Well, they don't, well, they don't spend money on internet listening either, but, but the, you know, the real question is why would you spend it on an FM listener and not on a DAB listener? Yeah, yeah, yeah but precisely. But, I mean, it's the same thing as the newspaper industry, isn't it? Why would you spend money on a print reader but not on a web reader? It's, yeah. It just feels like the whole ad industry is just behind everything else apart from in print you could argue that that you know you engage in it in a different way and you're flicking around it and you're not you know you can avoid the ads to an extent whereas with radio there is absolutely no difference in terms of the interface or the experience is there whether you're listening to fm or dab apart from the fact that it's just better quality on dab so you're probably listening even harder well the interesting thing is you know you know radio well but but radio listening as a whole has held up you know we're we're whatever it is i think 93 94 percent sort of uh, level in terms of the, you know the, most people in the country listen to radio and exactly what you've said most of radio listening for obvious reasons is live so unlike most of the other media it's not time shifted you can't avoid the ads and if you listen to a commercial station you do hear you do hear the adverts it's going to continue to be a struggle and this is obviously this goes to the heart of the whole debate in terms of the commercial players uh, arguing why they're reluctant at the moment to invest into DAB when they still have to pay for FM transmission as well. Well, that's enough media news for now and certainly enough stats to last us a lifetime or at least the whole of 2013. Next, TV. So, Vicky, new year, new TV? Uh, There's quite a lot of new telly on Saturday night, No, no, have you got a new TV? (laughs) 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 Carry on. Uh, Yeah, Saturday night, there's quite a lot of new things that sort of go from the sublime to the totally ludicrous. Uh, So Borgen's back on Saturday night for people who've been missing Danish drama on BBC4 and that terrible... Christmas Gap. Uh, Borgen, I, which I really like, uh, about Danish Prime Minister Birgitta Nyborg. Uh, alarmingly, for fans of the killing, it starts in Afghanistan, which Uh-oh. is just, uh-uh, but uh, it gets out of Afghanistan quite quickly in that first episode. So it doesn't go all downhill from there terribly. Is that t- t- uh, just a comedy in joke on the part of the producers to reference the, the dreadful <laughs> killing too? Maybe they got two tickets for the price of one. I'm not really sure how that happened. Uh, but yes, uh, so Birgitta is back and I sort of, you know, I found that first episode, I was watching it and I was thinking, oh God, no, I am watching a programme about Danish coalition politics. And I remember when I watched the first episode of the first series, I was a bit like, mm, really? But she's so good that she kind of pulls you through. And by the second episode, you're like really into it and you really care about the moderates and how the moderates do, even though you still don't really understand where they are in the political spectrum. Uh, yeah, so that's back. But also, I mean, ITV have sort of got a really mad Saturday night. They're starting with Splash which is, um, this is just bonkers. It's, it's basically, to, they've sort of tried to shoehorn Tom Daly into a programme, from what I can gather. So what they've had to do... <laughs> I'd, I'd pay to see that. <laughs> so, what, so what happens is Tom Daly teaches celebrities to dive. That, that's what you're watching. And then they sort you know, it's basically celebrity diving. That's into a, into a pool, not like, uh, not like Gareth Bale. No, yeah, into a pool, into a pool, and then they're judged by, you know, some Tom Daly and some other Olympians and people, and Joe Brand. I just don't understand it. Why is Joe Brand involved? <laughs> I have no idea. It's mad, and Omid Jalili is one of the people diving in the, you know, it's, 
I don't really understand it. I have no idea what it's going to look like. I'm sort of excited about it and sort of think this is just crazy. Where has this come from? Because a di- you know, a dive, by necessity, unless they're diving from hundreds of metres up, <laughs> only lasts a second or two, whereas with Strictly Come Dancing, you get a good 90 seconds or two minutes. So, I mean, how do they, how do they extend, you know, 10 dives, each lasting two <laughs> seconds or whatever, into a, an hour-long primetime oh, TV? There's just going to be loads and loads and loads of backstory, isn't there, which is going to be interminable. But at least it'll be quick to fast-forward it to the bits where it all goes wrong and they fall headfirst off a diving board. It's quite hard to dive. I don't, you know, it's harder than dancing, I would argue. Oh, yeah. yeah. It takes guts. Yeah. I can't even dive off the edge of the pole, I'll admit. But I've seen the trailer for this show, them diving off like the 50-metre board and stuff like that, and it's impressive whoever they've got to get involved. But I just everyone's so, so like wanting to like milk out the, the kind of excitement <laughs> and popularity of the Olympics. Yeah. It's sort of absurd that now they're just trying to like... Any, you can imagine any television pitch has to, get, has to involve an Olympian, doesn't it, <laughs> somewhere? <much. laughs> Youth hostling with Bradley Wiggins, isn't it? That's basically <laughs> what it is. Well, you know... You know, when this was pitched six months ago, ITV would have been very excited that there was an Olympian involved. And now, six months on, it's like, are we sure? How did that happen? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, this. And also, also, this is what the tabloids are going to be pointing to in three and a half years' time. When he misses his medal, they're going to trace it back to the yeah. fact that he was doing shows like this. <laughs> exactly. It's got a whiff of celebrity wrestling about it, which was uh, ITV's great disaster. There you go. Easy. And, and Celebrity Sharkbait was another ITV show, which... Yes, it sounds, about. it sounds less desperate than Sharp, well, right? I reckon, yeah. I think, probably on that desperation scale. And then it's followed by Take Me Out, which is back for a new series, although I thought it only just finished its old series. But I quite liked the way that Take Me Out started, and everyone was a bit, like, sneery about it. Well, I say everyone, I was quite sneery about really? it, and so some other people. Uh, and, and now it has really cemented itself into that blind date slot, and it's pretty, you know, it just looks really strong and stronger and stronger. It's really interesting the way that's happened, and it's turned into this real sort of surefire hit. So uh, that's kind of an interesting thing on uh, this weekend, an interesting mix of things. And CITV are doing their celebration of 30 years of kids' TV as well. So they've got like uh, they've got a schedule that's full of uh, Fraggle Rock and Press Gang and Danger Mouse and Nightmare. So that will be brilliant if you're feeling a bit sort of Happy New Year. I've got no money, I can't drink, I better just stay here and watch these programmes that I used to love when I was a child. Made my weekend sound a bit depressing, but you know, oh, it'll really? be fine. That's, yeah, that's depressing. <laughs> Danger Mouse, gotta love Danger Mouse. You always. What do we get now? Peppa Pig, which is quite good at. I quite like Peppa Pig. I think it's unfair to compare the two. Yeah, <laughs> it's very different markets they're aimed at. <laughs> How do we I'm get here? How do we get here? I'm blaming you, Frost. <laughs> Well, Vicky, thank you very much. And the good news is there's just enough time uh, before the ad break uh, to do the Media Monkey quiz, which I know you're all excited about. Hooray! So, question number one. Why were there long faces at Channel 4 this week? Oh, Channel 4 racing. Began. Brilliant. Delaney in there. Yep. Yeah, straight in. That's it. That's all I have to say. That's fine, yeah. That's a statement of fact. Question number two. Talking of horses, as we were briefly, which jockey, who isn't too busy on the race course buzz, right buzz, now... Buzz, buzz, oh. buzz, Frankie Dettori. Two points, because he interrupted. Ackerman, Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Frankie Dettori is going to be in Celebrity Big Brother. Uh, a bit like question number one, that is all we have to say. Uh, question number three, which TV quiz got the Daily Mail hot under the collar this week? Oh, buzz, buzz, buzz. Ackerman again. Uh, it's the Channel 4, what's it called, my big... Fat Quizmas or the Quiz of the Year or whatever it's called. Big Fat Quiz of the Year, yes. Uh, The the Mail slammed its drunken attempts to humiliate a range of public figures from the Queen and Prince Philip to Usain Bolt with puerile filth, the most extreme and degrading kind. And then if you missed the show, it then reprinted all the gags. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that degrading, really, was it? It's another classic, though. Ten, Ten complaints when it aired. And then I think it's up to about, or it's into now the hundreds once the Daily Mail had printed it, obviously. 
AKA the, the rule of sacks, I think that's known as, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, question number four, which non-English radio station had to resort to an all-English playlist because of a royalty dispute? Be, go on, go on, Radio Sam. Wales. Radio, well, kind of, we'll give you that. It's Radio Cymru, which I think I pronounced it correctly, which is the BBC's Welsh language station, which, uh, because of a, uh, the risk of repeating the question, because of a royalty dispute, had to play an all-English playlist. <laughs> question number five. Oh, this is a bonus question. Uh, so this might make it question number six. What could be worth $11 billion? It was revealed this week. Twitter. Twitter. That was Steve Ackman saying Twitter. Imagine how much it would have been worth if that Facebook RPO hadn't gone status up. And that's it for this week. My thanks to all this week's guests, Sam Delaney, the quiz-winning Steve Ackerman, and Vicky Frost, and to Roy Greenslade, Jemima Kish, Mark Sweeney, Maggie Brown, and Paul Robinson for their thoughts on 2013. We will, of course, be returning forensic-style to all their predictions at the end of the year. I predict that this week's producer will be Matt Hill, and I can say with a moderate degree of certainty that I'm John Plunkett. Thanks for listening. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio. I didn't even go to Cambridge. So. <laughs> and a bonus question. Hang on, whatever. Now everyone thinks you did. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, right. that's what I'm saying. Delaney, oh, yeah. on air. Delaney, Harvard. <laughs> <laughs>